versus the the father or mother that spends so much time with their kids is more of that average job but is present in their kids life how do you, how do you how do you see the two splits and i know it's not an easy answer but is there a better way is is one better yeah, than the other yeah there's a fucking better way dude there's always a better way than having to choose between a rock and a hard place that's like that's my whole commitment in life that's like that's literally what we stand for if you read our website that we are creating we transcend the paradigm of having to choose between financial success and spiritual deep personal fulfillment you could say that being with your family is that and the the the, the better way is saying fuck that between choosing i'm going to have a business that produces all the financial wealth and abundance that I want. And I'm going to stop working at noon. I'm going to pick my kids up from school. You can hear my passion for this, right? This is my life. All right, guys. So welcome to my battle plan, John. Um, you know, it's one of these things where I kind of look on, you know, the internet a little bit and, you know, I dabble and see different people that kind of, you know, have a message that I like to share, or at least just kind of bring people on and have good conversations. And, and you seem like one of those people that could do that. And so I'm not really exactly sure what it was that uh, prompted me to follow you, but you gave me a very, very good return message. And I thought it was it was phenomenal. <laughs> then I saw I dug a little deeper and saw this is kind of like your thing. So, um, yeah. John, tell people kind of a little bit about who you are. I know that you're in the coaching business uh, and, I, and I have some quotes from you that I've took off mm. um, that I, I'm going to read. And I'm going to say the essence of my life's work, my purpose is to serve the one person in front of me right here and the right now to see them fully love them deeply and create what they are making and having a meaningful difference in them. So tell yeah. me a little bit in our audience who's listening today. Who is John? Who is yeah, John man, Patrick thanks. Morgan? Yeah. Thanks for reading that. <clears throat> yeah. That was one of those things that like, just like in a moment of kind of meditative journaling and presence with like the question is like, what are the purpose of my life? It just was like crystal clear that that's it when you boil everything down and it always has been, um, you know, it goes back to being my memory when that when you read that or it starts is like being a little kid taking apart my mom and dad's VCR with a screwdriver and then putting it back together. Um, I've always been interested in just like how things work. And then that turned inward, you know, as I got older and started to like be aware that like, oh, my brain's a VCR, you know, like my mind, my behavior. And, and, and I love people, you know, I just love relationships. I love human beings. And so everybody's a VCR in, in that kind of way. And, and if I can take them apart and put them back together in a way that has the tracking work, remember that the tracking and, v and video VHS, like, yes. so the screen's clear, then I just love that. And so whether it's creating myself um, with clear tracking or creating another person to have clear tracking, um, that's, that's my, just, that's my joy. Um, and, you know, I call it, and, you know, there's other aspects of me too. I call it being a champion. I also have like, um, I just love being the absolute best that I can be. I love competition. I love winning, but not to have power over others because I'm afraid I'm not enough, but because I, I love pushing everybody forward. Like, let's get that tracking even clearer. Like if I beat you, then we're both going to grow. You know, if I can inspire you to stay engaged in that competition. And so for me, being a champion means being the best, but it also means being, you know, in the sense of a king or queen's champion, like really being a champion for another person, really going to battle to use the name of your podcast for them against whatever it is in them that's getting in the way of them being their best. Um, and so that combined with that kind of like, how does this work? How could I take it apart and put it back together? <clears throat> it's just driven me in everything that I've done. You know, I had a 
a number of different businesses prior to this personal development industry business now that I've had for 15 years. And, um, but at the core of all of it is conversation as the medium, yeah, like dialogue between me and another person to create something in the world, in them and in the world. Um, so, yeah, that's great. And, um, you know, as you're listening, you know, John and I are, are in similar spaces where we're, we're in the fulfillment business of taking somebody um, you know, who's struggling with something in the world. You, you, the the line that I read earlier was actually in response to receiving spam messages on LinkedIn, which I, I thought was so mm. cool. Mm. Um, and he said, you know, maybe we're just all looking at this a different way. And and he's, you actually called that out. It's like we're just not looking at this this way. But if you take the opportunity that someone had contacted you, a marketing message that you mm. receive is negative and spam as somebody trying to do something. And if you have a a, a way to possibly help them in something you're doing, maybe you don't have to buy mm. with the product. But maybe you can offer a speaking gig. Example, that was what you yeah. had talked about. You mentioned, you know, this person was trying to sell me tickets to some event. And you're like, well, I should be the one speaking at that event. And I thought that was such right. a unique way to think about it. Where does that come from? Yeah. Well, there's two layers to it, actually, man. Thanks for calling that out. That was from a ways back. But <clears throat> the first layer of, of, of receiving spam is the idea that somebody out there is doing something to me. And so anybody that's getting spam in a way that it's, bothering them at all is is in a place of victimhood the circumstance and, and they're creating that mm-hmm. it's like this person's doing something to me by sending this unsolicited thing it's a whole bunch of meaning and language and so first and foremost i always want to be free from any of that shit and so you could be free for it by not accommodating it by getting a really good spam filter or you and or you could be free from it from not having this story that that's a problem for you yeah and that's where i began so once I'm free from that mattering and what happens is then love, love happens. Cause then you suddenly look out at the world and you can see everybody's innocence. And I just saw that these, everybody that's sending me these messages, unsolicited quote unquote messages, you know, which is still a victimhood frame, but it's mm-hmm. like, they're sending me a message. Right. And I wasn't judging it and I wasn't pissed off about it. I wasn't annoyed by it. I, I saw it with their innocence. I was like, Oh, then I could see that they're, they're another human being trying to do something trying to get somewhere in the world shit funny that that's what i help people do (laughs) and so the second order insight when you're free when you're coming from a place of love is always one of service and it's always generative and it's always creative so that's you know so that came from that space and it was the idea so anytime i get an email from somebody now it's not like oh what the hell it's like oh what are they trying to do how can i help them that's right it might not be to give them my money but sometimes it is believe it or not i've hired more people that have cold outreach to me, then I think most people probably do because I'm just open. And then I listen and I'm like, this dude, you know, this woman can actually help. And I've had some great business relationships with people that literally, you might say, spammed me. That's funny. I like that. And it's just, uh, it's it's all perception, y'all. You know, I say that we always have a story and, and I'm not sure how you go about with uh, your coaching and your clients, but I really, really like to dig into a past, right? And so we're, I want to do that mm-hmm. with you a little bit today. You're living in Maui. Uh, you got mm-hmm. Ohana on your your hat right now for the listeners that can't see us. Um, and uh, that means family. You know what Does that means? Family, oh, you right? do now. Awesome, man. My yeah, daughter beautiful. says that to me all the time. She watches, uh, I, I forget what show it was. There's like an alien that is in Hawaii. Um, but she, awesome. she remembers it all the time. And, <laughs> cool. um, and she says it all the time. So I still picked up right up. She's going to love this episode. But um, where does that come from for you? Where do you where do you derive your roots? You said Rhode Island really mm-hmm. quickly before we jumped on air uh, is where mm. home was. What what? Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about oh, that's your, where I your grew roots. up. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Rhode Island in the suburb, like place called Warwick, 
um, which is you know 20 minutes from Providence, the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a forest in our backyard, and you know I would go out in the morning and play outside all day, and come in when it got dark, and I would be gone out exploring in the forest. And it was a beautiful childhood. We had a boat. I mean, I don't know if most people don't know this, but Rhode Island has more coastline than California because of all the islands. And so like the boating culture there is the phenomenal. People come from around the world to sail in Newport, Rhode Island. So that was a big part of my life growing up on the water. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I went to university in my home state and then I studied abroad and then it's like, wow, then the world was my oyster. And so I left in my in my 20s and, and I've went back to visit a few times, but the rest of my life has been spread around the world. Um, so, but family, but you mentioned the the word Ohana and family, I guess I'll speak to that too. Like, um, I was just, I just have always been and am still really close with both of my parents. I'm, I know how blessed I am having worked with a lot of men and women. It didn't have the upbringing that I had to be able to have a mother that loves you unconditionally. Um, and a father that is there to be a role model and to teach you. Like I, I was, I was blessed and I had that. And I know that, that, that those experiences are a big part of what I source from in my coaching. I've got my mother and father photos on my wall. And my, I have a row of some mentors on my wall in my studio here. My mom and dad are at the top. Um, you know, not without challenges, heartbreaking when they divorced when I was 15. So, you know, there's certainly some stuff, yeah. but, but for the, for the most part, I, I had a loving upbringing with mentorship and, and so I'm just living that out now as a, as a father myself. And so family was a big thing for me and is central in my life. And when I was walking down the street here in Maui and I saw the hat with Ohana on it, I was like, I want to keep that as close to me as I can. I've got a bracelet with my sons, Rumi and Asher's names on them. I keep them, you know, I keep, I keep them close. And that hat, the hat's about keeping close, but also about advertising it a little bit. It's like, Hey guys, I love my family so much that I want you to know that family is a real orientation for me. I like that. That's great, man. And what brought you to Hawaii? How did that how did that trip take place? Uh, you know, what in your life? Yeah, you know, this this whole podcast, essentially, you know, we could we could talk about how cool we are all we want, you know, when we're successful in life. But you know, I don't think that helps the the general person who is likely the person that we can help, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know what specific avatar you're after. But generally speaking, people have some, um, you know, some money in a business, and they're doing something and they're usually <clears throat> generally preoccupied with life as it's happening and not focusing on some of the things that they can. So you know, what mm-hmm. I would say to you is give us a little history of like the up and coming you, John, you know, and, and John Patrick mm-hmm. Morgan. And, you know, what were things that you faced that you might have overcome? I, I like to see the come up stories because that's the most yeah. important part of, you know, the people that can relate to a podcast and listening as they're, you know, listening to our words and growing. How do you mm. how do you come through the the tough times? And, and did you have any? You know, it sounds like you had a great yeah. familyhood, uh, if you will, if that's a word. But, um, you know, what what were your struggles? Um, Yeah, man. I mean, I've had, just like any entrepreneur, I've had like massive financial challenges, of course, like going completely broken into debt and upside down and not being able to afford rent and having to house sit and live with my girlfriend's parents in my like late 20s, early 30s, which was really identity, you know, destroying for a time and challenging, Um, you know all the freaking heated arguments about money and screaming at your, you know, your wife and then realizing it has nothing to do with that. And it's just pain. That's just painful. Um, And also like I had a health thing when I was younger, I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis um, in my twenties, which was really fucking scary. Um, 
but it sent me on a path and my mom, because she got later diagnosed as well of just like, it expanded my mind. I just started thinking, looking like, you know, cause up to that point, it was like, like Taco Bell, Coca-Cola, just like, you know, I did martial arts, but it didn't matter what I ate cause I was young. And so I thought, you know, I was in shape, but my body was dying in a, in a way, my autoimmune system, my immune system was being attacked by the yeah. garbage that I was eating. And so as I woke up to that and started eating healthy, I mean, it expanded my whole world. And like, so it's not just about fitness to me, but it's about vitality and longevity. And I haven't had symptoms in years. And one of my doctors says that you, you know, you might've just cured yourself from this disease. And so that's part of my journey as well. Um, but, you know, and, you know, the, as I mentioned, like the pain of my parents separation was and continues to be, you know, when you've got a really strong family and then they separate, it's like, it's, it's always challenging. It's still challenging. Yeah. You know, at Christmas time, still when I come close, close with both my parents and it's like, there's the awkwardness and stuff. So, um, yeah, I have a similar, uh, my parents divorced when I was in my twenties, I was in college, I believe is actually where I heard it first. And. Uh, mm. I actually painted that as part of an identity and we could talk a little bit about identity too, is that I did have mm -hmm. parents that were together and, uh, it was crushing to me actually when that happened. Mm. Um, my mom actually lives with me here in Tennessee, uh, after a divorce that she had, um, a, a second mm. divorce, uh, um, kind of is what it is. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that was something that, uh, I had some personal struggles with and some, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, as, as the trend right now, there's. A lot of broken homes out there but it's it's how you do with mm. it and, and what you can do with the lessons learned from it how do you feel um sure. you you have a are you married you you just said you have i kids. am married yeah okay because yeah this will be my 10 year anniversary this october right on and my my son's two and my two and six i have two sons um and i'm and i'm happy that i i mean i lived with the idea that i will never get married because of what that what's the, what's the point i also loved meeting lots of women and loved my freedom and um, experience but you know, it just came a point in my life where I, I loved my wife. And no, what it was is that I wanted to have kids with my, my then girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And for her, it was like, well, then we got to get married. And I was like, are you sure? And at the same time, I was reading Joseph Campbell's work, the, the mythologist. And, and he was the one that really showed me that, you know, marriage is an enactment of a mythology. And that there's a function to that. And it's generative and it creates something. Um, and, and I started to appreciate and understand that the living of a story for, for oneself and between two people is, is, is generative of something It creates a possibility. And so I kind of fell in love with the idea of marriage. Now I fucking love it because, you know, the ultimate freedom is the discovery that this freedom, the highest form of freedom is through commitment, not by avoiding it. And so it's like kind of a second order experience of freedom in my life now that I find it in commitment um, as opposed to being not committed, which was when I was younger, it's a different kind of quality of freedom. So, um, so yeah, I love, you know, again, back to the Ohana hat, that's, you know, my marriage to my wife and, and my kids is, is central. That's um, a great way to, you know, put it. Yeah, it's you, you definitely have a way of kind of like explaining and, and you could tell that you have a, a deep sense of heart in what you do. You know, I think, I think it's apparent when people watch what you do, there seems like there's a deep purpose of actually fulfilling somebody's inner something. And, um, yeah. I've been known as a little bit more cold. Um, you know, although that I, I have my ways of, of getting people to move and see themselves in different ways that they've never seen them. I'm definitely a mm. competitor in this to get people to an edge and it burns me when they don't do what I'm looking for. I think you sound like you have a little bit more compassion. Where does that come from? Is that a, mm. your upbringing? Is that, you know, you know, just seeing I think so. Struggle? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be, who knows, right? I can make up a story, but like, I, as I said earlier, my mom's just unconditionally loving and, you know, she was concerned, you know, in talking to me. As I as I learned now as a parent, it's good to talk to your kid about their emotions so that they find language and meaning and can yeah. connect with that inside them. Um, but like, you know, my mom did that, I guess, intuitively or something. Like, I can remember being in the rocking chair and with her saying, how do you feel? What are you feeling? Like, so just having that attention inwardly focused and having it be okay to speak about that and mm -hmm. having words and language for that, you know, is something. And then I've continued to take apart that VCR through my life, like leading into an embodiment work in the personal development world and, you know, going deeper and creating even more language and more internal kinesthetic awareness to be able to speak to that and having the courage to, to bring it up in conversation with other people and help them to discover that, right? Like yeah. get the tracking clear, use that, extend that metaphor again. Do you feel, um, you know, the people that you work with, it sounds like they're entrepreneurs and, and I kind of took mm -hmm. your bio from LinkedIn and I want to ask you about the we us. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you have that as your bio is, is there identifiers? Yeah, and that's my pronoun. Yeah. Talk to me about yeah. that, but I, I did want to, I want to get on, because you also said you talk about love, power, freedom, creating, and entrepreneurship, and so mm -hmm. you definitely seem like you go in from an angle where it's like you're really trying to get deep into this people's, you know, soul a little bit, have them feel mm -hmm. something, you know, because everyone's trying to do yeah. something. Not a lot of people mm -hmm. feel something. Uh, so tell yeah. me a little bit more about that whole construct. Yeah, um, the we slash us is, is, is the idea that uh, or my website for my company is wearecreating.com, right? And so this this idea that what we are is, I say the big bang banging on, like we are the universe expanding. It's not like, oh, the universe is like planets and then and we're people. No, like literally it banged and like here we are and it's still expanding in the form of mimetic expression, in the form of um, human, you know, procreation. That is the big, it is the expansion of the universe. So we are that universe creating itself and it's also a declaration this is what we're up to we are up to creating and and there's so there's the we kind of is a way of relating to all of us not as me versus you or me and you it's just this is just a frame i, I remember um hearing this once i don't know if that it's true but i read it somewhere so maybe it is that like in like the the kiwis the natives in new zealand don't even have a pronoun for i they only have we because they're they always invoking their ancestors when they speak. And I just thought that was a beautiful idea. So that's the we slash us is really a way of just speaking to that in the LinkedIn thing. But it's also a little bit of a jab at the whole pronoun bullshit. Like you got to tell me how I got to call you in order for you to be safe and okay. I see that as a form of like extreme victimhood, you know, right. for, for, but, but so. I was hoping you were going to go that way because uh, I wasn't yeah. sure. Uh, it sounded like you came from like just such a place of love. I was like, man, is this guy this way or is he this way? So I'm no, glad No, but my love that. has a, is a, look, where is it? I'll show you what my love looks like. I had to move this because my kids. I don't know if you guys have a video, but my love has is a is a razor sharp samurai sword, man. Like my love, my love will cut like a knife uh, or smash like a hammer. So um, I have no problem with with violence and no problem with well, I shouldn't say I have no problem with violence. I have no problem with, with violence um, where it's in service of something beautiful, you know. So um, and so yeah, so I'm poking fun in cool. that direction as well. Good, good, good. Now this conversation got good. I'm just making sure you know you always never know who <laughs> someone is when they're on the other line. So, nice way uh, to like dance into it, but I appreciate it. But yeah, well, I wanted cool. to see what was going on there, and and I there was a couple of things that I would talk about. And look, I'm the guy that I'll bring up everything anywhere. And look, if someone doesn't want to have it, then we just won't air it. I probably just don't cut things out. But anyway, yeah. um, love, power, freedom, creating entrepreneurship. Do you feel like when you're talking to somebody? 
and you're in the professional development space, are you feeling like they're just not getting it? You know, and are you more, you serve men, women, both? I mean, what, what would be your, your uh, tribe? Well, m- most of the time when I'm speaking, I'm feeling like people aren't getting it. And, but that's because that's where I like to hang out. Um, you know, I, I'm all, I, I pretty much only hang out with mentors and, you know, I'll hire a coach myself if when they talk, I don't get it. Because something that's beyond the precipice of my understanding of my capacity to conceptualize, that's what I'm interested in. That's why I'm taking apart the fucking VCR because like, I get that I put this thing in, but how does it turn into that? That's right. What is it? How is it doing that? And so, so, so I'm, so, you know, sometimes that can be frustrating for people that are in my world, but you know, that's why we take the money up front. Cause it's like, now you got to stick with it and you're in and, and you'll get there if you stay with it. That's, that's, right. that's what I believe. You stay in a conversation where you're fucking confused and you're not getting it, then you're going to grow. I can viscerally remember what it was like when I discovered the Taoist path, my good friend, James Tripp, who has, you know, been a Taoist in, in Tai Chi his whole life could, could see in a, in a way where paradox was obvious to him, but I was experiencing it as a dichotomy. It's either this or that. And he was like, no, dude, it's both. And I'm like, fuck. Whereas now, like I live paradox. People say to me, sometimes being coached by you is like reading the Tao Te Ching. It's like, that's because I've read it a hundred times and I live it, Yeah, you know? And so, um, that's an evolution of, of mind that, that comes through hanging with that tension. So, um, you know, and, you know, sometimes to my detriment, because sometimes I'm speaking so far out beyond what a person's able to understand that I miss the ability to connect with them. Mm. So I am mm. constantly working on how can I build that bridge, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah. We'll, we'll just ca- we'll just have more. We'll just keep asking more. Okay, cool. Um, awesome. <laughs> uh, but I resonate with what you kind of just said as far as like, look, it's it's sometimes not here nor there, right? Uh, there was a big mm. event that I was at in Miami this weekend where we were actually going to be doing a pitch from the stage uh, or an opportunity mm-hmm. to offer someone to go deeper with. It's not me. It was the coach that I was working with, Coach Michael Burt. And um, it was going to be like a 997 offer. Uh, we thought it you know, might have like a million dollar take uh, from the event and get a thousand people in the offer because of what we were offering was just so extreme. Didn't get a chance to put it down. There was about eight to 12,000, or not, I don't know how many, probably 8,000 people at the venue. It was the Lone Depot Center. And, um, you know, a minute and a 30 seconds before the stage, the, the organizer's like, we can't do it. Something happened. We can't pitch. You know, he and he was really the person who didn't want anyone to offer any services from stage. It was just kind of an event for, uh, you know, all the agents that were there. It was an insurance and um, it was a big blow because, you know, Coach Burt, myself, the team that we were working with kind of put a lot of energy and time into this. And so, you know, he was kind of devastated a little bit after, you know, the event and kind of just thinking about it. And I go, well, it's like that Chinese proverb. And maybe it's not Chinese proverb. I don't know what it is. But the proverb where it says, you know, uh, the the farmer's son went out into the field, fell off the horse, broke his leg. And then he basically comes back. Sure. All the townspeople are like, hey, uh, that's so unfortunate. And the, the, the father was like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And then go, the army comes through the next week and tries to recruit right. all the sons. And then, uh, the, oh, that's so fortunate that your son broke his leg. He can't go. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of ways to see it. And I actually brought that up to those guys. I was like, well, maybe there's a better angle here that something didn't happen for a reason. And trying to look deeper mm-hmm. into like the whys of many things and trying mm-hmm. not to overreact. I think I was definitely in my younger years an overreactor. And uh, mm-hmm. certainly the more I get into, you know, self-development, reading much of the books, I think it it's, it gives you a whole different look on perception. So um, mm. that's great. Well, let's talk about, you know, looking at a couple of things. I, I pulled some lines and uh, I just want to see how you're going to respond to some of these. So if you're cool with pitch and catch. 
Yeah, man. I don't know what that means, but throw something. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you will never earn more than your own self-worth. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, I don't remember saying that, but it, I think no, it's, it's not. true. It's so not. Let's... It's just, I'm just, oh, these okay. are sayings. These are sayings. <laughs> cool. I think that's true in the sense of like, if you don't believe you're worth something, then you're going to find a way to not be able to receive it. You're going to like either not take action on the opportunity that would produce that income. You're going to have some kind of awkward state of being that's going to blow the deal. Um, you know, like whatever it is, even it's not even just down to like a service business. Like you pay me that for this per hour. Like if I believe that I'm not worth the amazing outcome that this real estate deal looks like it's going to be for me, then you show up in a way that drops the ball. I just, you know, I see, I think that's, that's a pretty awesome statement. Yeah. I, 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 there's a, you know, as I'm podcasting, I, I have these notes folder, right? I think I'm sure you probably have these different things yeah, and ideas that you come them. across and I have so many. And I was like, you know what, let me, let me kind of get into John. Cause he's definitely a thinker. He, he thinks of things Amen. intellectually. And I was like, let me see where he is on some of these. Here's, here's something. And this will relate to you as a father and uh, as well as a business owner. And I'm curious to see how you take this one. So I have uh, the battle plan where we're like a self-development. A lot of people come to me for the fitness and health side things first, just cause that's what I was known for in my past. Uh, I'm obviously doing a lot more with the business development side, mental, uh, I'm, even call myself like the mental mechanic right now. I don't even know. I'm just trying to figure out an angle that puts me in someone's mind and makes them think to go deeper and we have a conversation. But um, one thing I brought up to my group was like, you know, the concept is, uh, you know, what if my time with my kids is 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 not what it's supposed to be? You know, for example, like the, the person who works so much and strives mm. so hard to make money for their family so the generation that will have money is or, is or growing and aging, um, mm-hmm. you know, will be taken care of versus the the father or mother that spends so much time with their kids is more of that average job but is present in their kids life how do you, how do you how do you see the two splits and i know it's not an easy answer but is there a better way is is one better yeah, than the other yeah there's a fucking better way dude there's always a better way than having to choose between a rock and a hard place that's like that's my whole commitment in life that's like that's literally what we stand for if you read our website that we are creating we transcend the paradigm of having to choose between financial success and spiritual deep personal fulfillment you could say that being with your family is that and the 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 better way is saying fuck that between choosing i'm going to have a business that produces all the financial wealth and abundance that i want and i'm going to stop working at noon i'm going to pick my kids up from school you can hear my passion for this right this is my life this is my commitment you know i was doing as when i was just a coach before i had my company i was bringing in half a million dollars a year like, you know, paying the taxes on that much money, net income, working two days a week coaching, picking my kids up from school. Like I start my calls at 7 a.m. in Hawaii. I'm done at noon. I work out till two and then I pick my kids up. We go to the beach. Like that's my life. And you don't get a life like that unless you are fucking a stand that is possible that you can have both because there aren't a lot of paths for how to have both. You have to forge one. And the way you forge it is to start with a commitment that I will be with my kids a substantial amount of time and I'll make all the money I want to make. You don't get that unless you stand for it. And if you buy the story that that question comes from, you're fucked. You're never going to get there. I love that answer. But let me play devil's advocate. Now, the, the guy's got a job and he's working and he's doing something. He's maybe not as passionate as you or a female for that matter. I'm 
my audience is generally male, so we're going to just speak to the males right now. <laughs> Females, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you, but you're the very few people that listen to me, and I'm cool with that. Um, but, you know, let's just say the, the income earner in the household is working, they're mm-hmm. putting their time in, and they don't even have that better path. How do you get them there? What, what's what's, the, what's the, the means? Obviously, the pain's there. They want something deeper. They want something more for their life. They want more money. They want more time. How do you even get them to that step? Like, what's that process? Well, like, there's two things, right? Like, how are, is, is it that you want to make more money and do you want to make more time? And you can have both, but like, let's take them one at a time. Um, you know, you want to make more money. The real simple is you got to have more power. And when I say more power, you make more of a difference in less time. That's literally what people are paid for. It sounds like you worked on Wall Street. I mean, I have family who are, are, are fund managers. I was like, why are they paid so much? Because of the leverage. Mm. Like the, the, the impact that your decision and your research has is highly leveraged. And whether it's in a sole proprietor that's a service provider or, or a fund manager, it's the same thing. Like for my, how can I make the biggest difference in a conversation in the shortest amount of time has been my fascination for 15 years. And that's why I get $3,000 an hour to be in conversation with the person because of what I can do in conversation with them. So it's like make more of a difference in less time. And what, what, how are you going to do that? Well, then we go to the other side because the how is where the fulfillment is going to be in. So how would you love to do that? Well, I'd love to play guitar. Okay, well, cool. So what's the chances that you playing guitar is going to make the biggest difference in the smallest amount of time? Okay, maybe for you, it's pretty low. It's like, well, then what else do you love to do? So let's come up with all the things that you love doing and enjoying, and let's isolate down to where you can make the biggest difference in the, in the, uh, in the, in the smallest amount of time, and let's focus in on that. And so then the next obstacle you run into with somebody who's not done what they would love for years or decades because they believe the lie in society that you can't have your cake and eat it, which is a fucking weird statement anyway, but like, (laughs) you know, but, but, um, if you live for so long, not giving yourself the freedom to do what you love, you not only don't have that in your life, but you lose the contact within to even know what it is that you do love. Mm -hmm. If you don't give yourself permission to know your inner compass and then to act on it, you lose touch with it. And then people will say, well, I don't even know what I love. Well, no shit, you don't. So we got to really slow down with people and start to break them out of their ideas and start to get them in touch with at least their curiosity. And then you have to take action on that to feed your body with the knowing that it's safe and okay. And then that little voice starts to get louder and you can get more in touch with it. You can start to feel joy in what you love again, and you can start to use it to guide you and your life and your work. So that's a kind of summary, but Yeah. Now we just uh, we just woken John. He's here. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. He's ready to go. Yeah, thanks. Fired up. (laughs) I love it, man. And that's a great response and a great answer because you know everyone wants to basically have their cake and eat it too. As he as he mentioned the the weird line and and I part of uh, my uh, framework is design a life worth living, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know what's that legacy that you're trying to leave to the the generation or the following generation? That's what I want to do is leave a legacy and a generational wealth to my family and and to the the people that Mm -hmm. come up, but uh, also not allow them just to have it. You know what I mean? Like they got to work for it. There's too many people mm. now that have the money and just give their kids blindly. And that's what makes weak society. I think we're seeing that all mm-hmm. over the place right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. But um, right on. Let me talk about our senses. Let's let's switch a gear here. Um, are you a man of faith and spirituality? Yeah, I am. Yeah. What a uh, particular religion or anything like that. I mean, I grew up, was raised Catholic. Um, and then I went like full blown atheist for like a few years as I got into science. And then I started traveling and kind of found my spiritual path. Um, and and I think at this time in my life, finding even more and more faith in something greater than me being at cause um, in my life um, in the sense of both inwardly, like a, a small voice 
that maybe in the past I might have said is my own personal intuition that's guided by my subconscious patterning and is is still kind of separate. Whereas now uh, it's 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 it feels like and and I believe that this this voice is coming from something beyond just this this singular body mm. and the messages that i get the images through dreams through meditative inquiry through asking and listening what you could call prayer um and also uh, through the circumstances like for me surrendering to the 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 circumstances which have a certain resonance to them which have a certain auspicious nature to them which have a um, um a recurring nature to them is 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 following you could say the voice of god in the same way as i as it would be when i follow it within so yeah and right. and so there's all that like being guided in the sense of creation but then there's also like this this overarching sense of care that uh that I'm, I'm really in touch with that like we are all cared for um and in some in beautiful ways and sometimes we can't understand what that care why that care looks the way that it does but that's an all-pervading experience for me lately okay um, well, I always bring up the fact that, you know, our, our senses are limiting, you know, uh, sight, yeah. hearing, taste, touch, smell, you know, those are only so many things that we can, you know, essentially have a relationship mm. with, or we could have basically an outcome after we experience one of those things. But, you know, mm. when I, when I look at faith and I look at, uh, you know, blind faith, right, you gotta, you know, faith by itself is to believe in something that doesn't currently exist that you can see, smell, taste, touch, hear, you know, you have to believe in something to be true, almost like vision, mm -hmm. a path to something that you want. Um, is, is certain ways that I kind of look at that, you know, if you look at these senses, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it make sense that there are things that we can't see, can't, can't touch, can't smell mm -hmm. like germs. We can't, we don't know that they're there, but they're there. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the ultraviolet rays in the air, we can't see those things, but they're mm -hmm. there. There's smells that we don't have, uh, hearing sounds, mm -hmm. pitches that we don't have. So, uh, where are you on your spiritual life as far as knowing that there's angels, demons, things of that nature? Do you believe these things exist uh, around us? Do you believe that that is more just for the, you know, the the Bible people? Uh, what's your thought process there? Yeah, I like, I have to start at the beginning, which is, um, I mean, I loved that you said, it doesn't it make sense that there are things that, that, that are there that we can't sense? And it's like the idea of making sense is so deep because even when we're trying to connect with something that's beyond our senses, we use the phrase make sense to access that. Right. And so there's a certain way of being in our physical body that is a limitation to our orientation, which is what you're kind of speaking to. Um, and <clears throat> I am so open to there being something other than this idea of just me in both the physical world, but also in the non-physical Um but what I don't have is the idea that I know what those things specifically are and these are their actual names because I don't believe that the names that we give anything is what anything is. It's just a label. It's just a story. Like the word truth itself actually etymologically evolved from the word tree as in an oak tree. Tree became truth. And what is that? It's just something that's there and dependable and solid. But trees can also be cut down. And so it, I have a knowing that all of it is story. All of it, you know, I'm doing a talk tomorrow for my community called At the Left Hand of God, which is about my exploration, what you call the left hand path and magic or creation, which is the path of descent into the sensory experience. Um, it's transcendent, like basically the, the right handed path seated at the right hand of the father, right, is the idea that if you do what is morally and ethically good, you'll be pure and you'll be welcomed into the embrace of, of the all of God, of union, Um the left-handed path is like, okay, you're going to go your own way and you're going to find God that way. You're going to go 
into pleasure, into pain, into the things that are socially unacceptable. And you're going to find something transcendent of all of these stories and meaning, and you're going to meet the divine that way. And so I'm kind of, I've been in the last year or two exploring that path involving also the use of psychedelics. And so for me, when, when I have an experience that is not the normal experience, whether it's through meditative practice or induced through psychedelics, and all of this sensory experience melts away, only thing you're left with is the possibility that that's something beyond, because I'm, I'm the eye that, you know, there's still something here. And this idea of vision or touch is no longer as relevant because I'm touching something that isn't actually there or is it, you know? So, um, yeah. I like to, there was, I was in a Bible study, so I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I grew up Catholic, but I'm a Christian. I actually mm-hmm. was reborn, but there was a period in my life also uh, that I went to college and, you know, we had to take a religion course in college. I went to Sick Heart University up in Connecticut and uh, they make you take religion 101. And after doing so, mm-hmm. I really kind of just been exposed to the other religions. And I was like, man, why is mine better than anyone else's? Why? Mm-hmm. And I hated the fact that Catholic uh, priests can't, you know, have relations, um, you know, with, uh, you know, women and stuff. So I, I was really having a hard time understanding that and you know i kind of walked away from the church for a while and went into more like craigism do to do to mm-hmm. others what you want done to yourself which is the basic principles mm-hmm. of religion anyway uh and when it's when it's when it's all broken down to kind of some constructs and you know kind of really got into it you know later in life after having my daughter there was a there was a client that had exposed me to a message and, and i'll do a, an episode on this for whoever's listening at some point of my walk into religion once again mm. but uh a, a uh, about a month ago, we were sitting in a Bible study with a bunch of guys, and we talked about like, what is your being? You know, what is your mm-hmm. your thoughts? Those things that are inside of you, do they go? Mm-hmm. Do that? You can't touch, taste, smell, see them. You know, so that that thing, you know, where where does it even live? Uh, what part mm-hmm. of your body is it in? Everyone thinks it's here, but is it not? They say the stomach is your second mm-hmm. brain. So that's a, an interesting concept when you're looking at like your thoughts, your anxieties, the stresses, your visions, the thing you think about those don't have any clues to like, you know, what, where our senses are, because those are things that we're mm. internalizing ourselves. And we're having a, a demonstrated capacity to feel a certain way around those where you could feel one way, and I could feel another way. Mm. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it's very interesting to see how we are affected, uh, you know, psychologically by those things, etc. But it's just a it's just a concept, I kind of want to just run by you as far as like your being, what is that to you when you when you hear the word your being, uh, you know, mm. that that thing and that could possibly pass when you leave? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. to you? Yeah, well, I have I have two definitions of the word being because I think there's two that are used out there and I kind of distinguish them. I say like uppercase being is like the presence that is transcendent of story and meaning and even humanness. It's like um, that oneness experience that you have when you're in a deep meditation, that oneness experience that you have when everybody in the Catholic Church is singing and, and, and there's a and there's a real presence of of Holy Spirit, right? Like that's something beyond the stories about me my memories meaning that's like all uppercase being and then there's being in what i would call the heideggerian sense to reference the the philosopher martin heidegger um which is to say um being is the house of language i would say that's an uppercase b just being and so is this thing being a coffee mug that i'm holding in my hand or is it being a thrown object when i smash it against the wall Mm. well it depends on what story that I'm telling and what's happening. You know, Heidegger says a hammer isn't being a hammer that's hanging on the wall in the tool shed unless there's a human out there focused on it or using it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's just unnamed. It's just, it's just, it's just something there. And so um, for me, 
actually I'm distinguishing kind of the way that you were talking about being I think you were invoking both in the same definition and for me that distinction is really important you know to go beyond like the labels is the is the being that for me is holy and spiritual and then and then t- the other aspect of being so 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 to bring it back to myself what is my being well my being is our being that goes back to the we us pronoun right like in the all uppercase being and it just is and and it becomes hard to even use language to talk about it we can signpost towards it but then we language gives up or has to give up but then there's the other side of it like who am i being today am i being a kind and loving man am i being free am i being powerful or am i being kind of a passive aggressive dick with my wife like which who am I being and everything in between and all other sorts of things. And being is actually very central to our work as well. And so both the all uppercase being and helping a person be free and connected to a source of love, you could call it God. You know, we have a lot of clients that, that call it God and relate to it that way. And I'm not so hung up on which language a person uses. And then like, cool, now bring it back down to earth as that love, as God, what and who are you being in, in the world of form? You know, are you being, I am a valuable person? Cool. Are you being that I have specific monetary valuable and value in the way that I do this service? Even better. That's going to be more likely to produce a material outcome. So like we help people to really cultivate a conscious uh, way of being in the world that produces what they want. So for us, being is the bridge between the spiritual and the material. I like that. That's good, man. Let me ask you something, a question that, you know, as I kind of, Go a little bit deeper here. What's the number one question that you wish I would that you wish you were asked on these podcasts? What is this thing that you want people in our audience to know about you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny when people podcasters often will ask that in advance of a podcast, and when I and I I always throw it back to them, and and I hope that when you think about the mission statement that you read earlier, it will make sense as to why. But the thing that I want most for people in this podcast that are listening to this podcast to know is the thing that's most going to serve them in getting what they want. And so I always throw it back to the podcaster and I say, for your audience, like, why are they here? Why are they listening? Mm -hmm. And when you can tell me that, then I can tell you exactly what I want them to know or to know about me because who gives a shit otherwise about me? Like I'm, I'm only relevant in this podcast to the extent at which I serve and make a difference for the people listening. Otherwise, my answer is about me, and that doesn't it doesn't fulfill me. It doesn't really work. That doesn't create many results anyway. So, can you answer that? Why are they here? Yeah. What is your sense? Hundred percent. Yeah, man. This 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 audience is to be served through you know what I call the four senses of of or the four pillars: faith, fitness, fellowship, and finances, and and the constructs that we live through our life. We discussed up and down, and the reason this is a kind of a different, uh, maybe off topic episode. Just you know, basically, you and I kind of had a, a small relationship on social media where, you know, I was just attracted to some of the things you said, you sent me back a great mm-hmm. message. And I just said, you know what, this guy just looks like he's going to go in here and he's going to have a, a deep conversation. We're going to we're going to ask some odd questions and kind of just see where this conversation goes. Because at the end of the day, too many people come in with an agenda, you know, mm. kind of like me asking you that question, you would see what your agenda is. And I think you're holding true to who you are. Um, you know, mm. the agenda is to serve and to to make sure that the conversations I'm having today are present and something that mm-hmm. I don't do well is actually live in the present. I, I live into the, the vision of my future of what I'm trying to mm-hmm. accomplish. Um, but, you know, I think the people that are listening and, and being served by this episode are going to 
understand that, you know, there's a lot more to them outside of their own personal agendas. And so, you mm. know, when we're developing our faith, our, our fitness, a lot of people will listen to this for some version of what they think they're going to get out of my fitness. I don't really do fitness on this podcast. Unfortunately, we talk a little bit about that. I just think it's quite boring and easy. Uh, and I know it's not for everybody, but it's just do the work and usually the results come. Mm. And there's a lot of mm. different small things in between that I think people overcomplicate as I'm making fun of people who do ice baths because, you know, mm. probably they're about 150 pounds overweight and they shouldn't do that first. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's another story for something else. It's more or less just basically opening up someone's mind to think another way and to know that, mm. you know, maybe the way they perceive themselves, see themselves or actually interact in the world may not be the way someone else perceives them, sees them and interacts. As you were mentioning, your being or how you're being is only perceived by the person telling the story about what you're going to do with it. So my mm. wife and I can see something and, and taste something and have completely different conversations around what happened. Uh, literally, right. I would walk into the house and feel like I'm okay, but yet she's mm. in a bad mood, and now I'm seeing as like the enemy, etc. So mm. like being perception, all that's great. So this is just a a good conversation to have us just kind of take a moment and see ourselves mm. or who we are or who we're being. And uh, yeah. you know, I just thought that's where this conversation was going to go. And you're actually you're, cool. you're walking right into it, which is great. So so now I can answer your question. So now my like the question that I wish you would have asked me, like to play into your question is. Like how um, can a person's faith, fitness, how, how can you, John Morgan, most help a person with their faith, their fitness, their fellowship and their finances? Right. And so that's like that would have been like completely out of left field because it's kind of a mouthful. Mm-hmm. But when I when I ask myself that question, I sit with it. I don't have to try to figure that shit out because I have faith. I have faith that whatever shows up when I'm when I listen to that question with my heart, that whatever shows up, that's fucking useful. So I'm going to, I'm going to let my mouth open and say that that's how I've learned to make a big difference in a small amount of time to trust that, to not try to figure that shit out, but just trust it and go. And so, um, so I'm going to do that here. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come, but what I'm seeing is between miles 20 and 26 of the marathon that I ran a few weeks ago, um, which I ran without training. I had run two or three miles a week on and off over the past year. So I wasn't ready, but I did it. Why did I do it? Because I was and am and continue to be fascinated with how much more we can achieve when we liberate ourselves from ideas that are common. Common. Ideas like you should stop when it hurts. Ideas like running when something hurt means you're going to get an injury. And ideas like injuries are bad. I asked chat GPT, what is the benefit of injury? There is no benefit of injury. Are you fucking kidding me? Every time I injure my hands on the barbell, they callous and they get thicker and I become more capable of doing things with my hands. Mm. There is benefit to injury. Mm-hmm. I could make a mile long list. And so ideas that are so common, even artificial intelligence can't see beyond them. And so, so, and why is that important for me to share with your team, uh, with your community? Because when you look at fitness, not as a, a context to produce an outcome that's for your physical body, but you look at fitness as a context to develop a capacity to do things that are difficult and hard. Suddenly fitness becomes the fucking fusion reactor for your entire life. And so when I go out in my barn and I hit the bag, I'm a big fan of a company called Fight Camp. They're like the boxing version of Peloton, yep. right? I, I do that know. four or five days a week. You know them. Fucking love it. I own a Great Rockbox company. Fitness. That's a fitness franchise. I own two of those. Uh, so they're, awesome. they're kickboxing and functional fitness. So I get you. Same idea. 
So you get it. So when I go out there and hit that bag and I'm, I'm an animal on the leaderboard, it's like when I, I want to be everybody on the leaderboard, I want to hit it as hard as I can, as fast as I can and keep that pace. Right. Why? Is it because I'm like got some ego trip about beating people on the leaderboard? No, no, because I know that if I can do that, when my heart's like going to explode when my breath and I can't even keep my breath, if I can tell myself to keep going and, and, and what I've done is I've endured and the word endure etymologically comes from indurare, that's Latin, for strength and within. What I'm doing when I'm enduring, it's not about, oh, I'm getting to some outcome. It's not about, oh, I'm suffering. No, I'm not suffering. There's pain and I'm, I'm enjoying it. What I'm doing is I'm cultivating strength in my heart. I'm strengthening my heart, which in old Latin was to strengthen the will. And I walk out of that barn and I walk back into my office and there are things that I can do and will do that I wouldn't have done if I didn't cultivate that capacity. So I would say for all the guys listening to this, get fucking fit in your physical body because it will raise everything in your life. And don't do it for the outcome. Like, oh, I'm going to have abs. No, when you finish the workout, you just got strength of will and heart that's going to actually benefit you and your finances and your fellowship and your faith so much more than, than abs ever could. Love it. That's great, man. Thanks. Thanks that's... for asking. <laughs> Thanks for answering. Um, You're welcome. Love it. This guy, I love it. Teeing this guy up. Um, do you have a tagline? Do you have anything, uh, you know, something that you would go, a quote or motto that you live by? Yeah, man. What do you got? I am creating and my being is primary. I'm love. I'm loving awareness. I'm loving kindness. I am magic. I am the gathering of pattern and power and I create as I speak. I am that I live the archetypal energy of the king and I know that you will do as I command. I know that I may be wrong and that's okay for I am my justification. I am mastery of energy change over time. That is, I am the mastery of power and I am the arbiter of time. In fact, I know that I have all the time there is to do with what I will and my will shall be the whole of the law. It's pretty There's powerful. A little taste. That is uh, Thank pretty you. powerful. I like I like having somebody have something powerful to to say and respond. Now I'm going to throw the opposite question. Mm. You, and, and here's uh, let me see if I even wrote this one down. Um, maybe it's on my podcast. Let's see. As as I'll I'll find it here. I got my notes. But uh, it was more or less having like affirmations. Let's see. And, and how do you feel about that? Are you someone who speaks affirmations into somebody? Do you feel like it's just cheap words that people just aren't willing to take action on? How do you feel about affirmations? Uh, so, yes, I feel that affirmations are cheap words. Um, I don't affirm anything. But I what I do do is I declare every day who I am and who I am being. And that distinction is is the distinction that makes the difference. There's been psychological research done on affirmations. And in most cases, the research shows that they are not only not productive, but counterproductive. Because to affirm something is to try to convince yourself of something that you believe in your heart isn't true. And what it does by speaking it is actually in, without with that lack of presence and that lack of uh, forgiveness, what it actually does is it entrenches the counterbelief and you actually feel worse, feel less happy, less beautiful, whatever it is. And so I don't affirm anything. I say, I say it wasn't the affirmation of 1776 that created the United States. It was the declaration. We weren't trying to convince anybody. Just, this is a decision, man. Heads up. This is, this is starting now, and it is. And it comes from a space of letting go of the old. And so for me, there's a, there's a deep process, a spiritual process of real liberation and forgiveness from the counterbelief that has to take place 
before there is a declaration. And that needs to be a declaration, not an affirmation. It needs to be a decision, a statement. And those things I just shared with you are part of the declarations that I speak on a regular basis. I journal them. I speak them aloud. I create myself. That's that's the, that's the conscious inculcation of who I am being, which is a capitalized being, not all uppercase being. Love that, man. Uh, I have yet to find it, but I don't think I need to. I think you crushed it. And I was uh, I am on the same page. I don't believe you can sit there and just tell yourself like it's like the person who gets hype in the gym and does a set and screams loud and makes a big scene. And mm-hmm. it's, it's wanting someone to look at them or wanting to empower themselves to do something when you just sit on the bench and do it or just just take action yeah. and get get to get it done. So you said it much more eloquently than I did. So <laughs> very good. Um, let's see. Well, the best way to teach yourself who you are is to do the thing that's an expression of that. There's no better convincer of identity than an action that comes from such an identity. So, I'm a, you know, for me, speaking can be part of it, but but the action that's aligned with that speaking. So if I were being this, then what would I be doing? Cool, do that, then you're being it. So I'm with you. Cool. The more shadows or the, the more you shine, the more shadows you cast. Mm. Run with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yay I think in nay. both directions. Yay. Fuck yeah. Yeah. The more you shine, the more shadows you cast, the more you shine uh, the the darker the shadow the longer the shadow all that stuff is is absolutely true i think of yourself and of others why do you think people feel that way when people are outshining them do they feel they have a something to prove do they feel inferior you know for the most part when people see somebody doing something great they have already a, a negative attention towards that person and they feel inferior uh, in my opinion this is what they feel or they feel like they can never achieve that as opposed to saying good for that person, man. That's so cool that they're doing that great thing. Um, it would be cool maybe one day if I can do something like it and, and be in motion to say, I'm inspired. I'm, I'm, I'm looking up to this person. I'd like to do more yeah. and learn from this person as opposed well, I just see their innocence. I see their innocence, man. It's heartbreaking when, when I shine and somebody else gets triggered by it or annoyed by it. I am, I feel heartbreak for the fact that they have a story about themselves as not capable, that they're not consciously aware of and they're and they are feeling the pain of they're feeling their sadness it fucking hurts mm. to believe the lie that they're not that i'm not capable of that and then i'm i'm so unaware that i'm believing that lie and that i'm even feeling the hurt that i get a secondary emotional response which is anger yep. and then i and then i project that away from me outward as if it's that person and i look for some flaw in them and try to tear them down so i'm like seven orders away from what's actually going on so to me that's heartbreaking that that's that that that's whole mess is there and that's it's what i love to help people with yeah i i i hear you and I, I sense it too when I see people doing certain things like that I just always say you know it's like looking at from a scarcity perspective people are like oh I gotta cut mm-hmm. expenses and don't get me wrong you shouldn't be blatantly spending too much but you know I always say just make more money you know like yeah. when I when I lived on Wall Street and different things happened I, I had a talk on Harvard way back when uh, I think it was May I actually just shared a piece of it the other day um, and I said you know if I could lose a hundred thousand dollars overnight I could gain a hundred thousand dollars overnight you know what I mean and that was part of mm-hmm. like just being the emotional trauma and the roller coaster of like money coming in and going and um, you know it's it's having a deep self-worth of who you are and what you can accomplish and the stories that we tell about ourselves become who we are it becomes the belief mm-hmm. in the sense of what we can do so when we started the conversation with you know you are your own self-worth or you can never outlive your own mm-hmm. self-worth it, it becomes true because that's the story that people paint how do you help yeah. people un- unpack that? You know, I, I think 
both of us are very like mental magicians, if you will, when it comes down to yeah. like what we do with clients, because we could tell them to do X, Y, and Z in the gym or in business, et cetera. But if we can't change the way they think or the way they respond mm. or the way they perceive, we got nothing. So how do you, how do yeah, you man. get into it with I, that? I, well, for that one in particular, it's a Bible study for me. You're going to love this one. Um, Matthew, oh God, I can't remember the verse right now, but it's the book of Matthew and you'll know the verse to those who have more will be given. And to those who have not, all, all will be taken away. And so I help people to understand that because it's their way of seeing the world that often gets in the way of their efficacy. It's not always a personal limitation. It's their map of reality that often stops them. And so I, my explanation for, for that verse is to those who believe that they have, more will actually be given. And to those who believe that they don't have, those who live in scarcity, all will actually be taken away from them. And when you start to look at that in the world, you're like, holy shit, that's true. There's actually, I don't know if you knew this, in the Wikipedia you can find, there's a thing called the Matthew effect. It's a principle that has been shown to exist in all areas of life, financially, everything. Literally, to those who have, more is, they, those get more. The people who get the most funding, they get more funding. That's right. And it just goes on and on in every area. And so it's true at every level. And it's like, if you look at that from a place of victimhood, oh my gosh, I don't have, so I'm not going to be given. You're not getting it. Mm -hmm. You're saying you don't have as a way of believing. If you so then start focusing on that you do have, you start with what you actually have, like, well, I have my health, I've got my wife and my kids. And then you start to feel gratitude. And then you realize that everything that you have is imagined. And I say to people, it's like, when do you have money? Do you have when somebody says yes to paying you? Do they have when they paid? Do you have the money when they pay the invoice, or do you have it when when it clears and now it's in in you know funds that you can use, or do you have to like take it out of that bank and, and have it as cash, or do you have to eat it? When do you have it? Mm -hmm. So having is actually something that's a decision that you make. And so if that's the case, then play with that. So I have my health, I have my wife, I have my kids, and I have all the money in the world. For money is liquid and it flows in abundance. And I'm telling you right now, when I say that, I fucking have it, dude. I have it the same way as I had this Ohana hat right now. And I'll tell you what, when you have something like that, whether you whether or not you actually have it, more is given. Love that. That's that's powerful. And uh you give me some great sound clips here, so we'll send those your way. <laughs> I love awesome, it. Buddy. We'll, we'll get you hooked up. So I got two more things. We're, we're, we're closing in on an hour here with this episode, and I have two questions to ask you. Um, what would you tell your 20-year-old self if, uh, you know, the advice that you know now, what, what would be the person, you know, in the 20s and 30s that would need the advice that you can give them today in a line or two, just something that you see that is completely something that's not a prevalent when you're in that come up stage and not to say that my audience is 20 to 30 they're probably 30 or more uh i would say mm. the avatar is probably 35 but um you know what would you say to that learning experience that you've got today that you know damn well didn't serve you earlier i don't know i always find these the most challenging questions and i said bring any question and the reason i find them challenging is because i don't wish that anything was different in my past I, I value all of the quote unquote wrong turns and struggles as much as I do the right turns. Right. Um, well, so I, you, I guess I have this like back to the future fear. Like if I were to go back with the almanac, I'm going to fuck it up. We're going to end up in like Biff's no, going to be no, in the no. high rise. I hear that. And, and I'm not saying change anything, but what can you see is, you know, for me listening to you, have you always had this sense of, um, Oh, I, inner, okay, inner peace, inner, inner self. I used inner, to be more of a dick. 
<laughs> and I started to be a nicer, kinder person. So if I could go back, I don't think there'd be any downside of me being less of a dick sooner. So I, I'd go all the way back to elementary school, actually. This is the first time I ever saw it. You've, you've given me a good answer that I'll use in every podcast here forward. Like, I would go back and I would just show myself how I was unconsciously being a dick because I was afraid that I had to be sarcastic and one-up people in order to be safe and loved. And I would help myself. I'd just give myself a hug. And I'd be like, look, buddy, you can be kind and you can still have power. So that's what I would change. I like that. And I don't typically ask the uh, typical podcast questions. Usually, you're the first person who's actually probably got some, you know, random ones that, uh, you know, I would just say, I just, I just want to see how you're gonna respond. Actually, some cool, people, man. I have different I like ways it. to go. But the last one is a world beyond the pale. I just saw that on your on your post. What is that? Yeah, that's this is part of that left hand of God um, talk that I'm gonna do tomorrow. And again, I whilst journaling. I ask and I listen, you could call it prayer. Like I have my things that I'm writing, but I'm also listening for like, I call them downloads. Like I just, phrases come to me. I have no idea what they mean. And that was when I was writing, I just wrote the phrase, I live in a world beyond the pale. And I was like, that's awkward. That, doesn't that mean you're like a criminal or you're like a bad or evil person? And so then what I do is, and I go and start like trying to learn about, I do the, I look at etymology. I've mentioned a few times, look at the history of words. So I looked at the phrase beyond the pale and I found out where it came from. I saw my Irish descent. My dad's family is all Irish. And and I found out that in uh, when the English were ruling in Dublin, I think in like the 1600s, they built a fence around Dublin and they used these wooden stakes called pales. And inside the fence was, you know, the proper, the English, the civilized. And beyond the fence, beyond the pale, was the uncivilized, the savage, the uh, Celts. Got it. Right. And so it's like, which is actually my descendant. And, and so for what it, so what that represents, I, I believe that like that download is like, it was giving me the, you know, the confirmation that my orientation right, right, right now is not to be somebody who lives within the authority of all the structures of society. Right. You say, I should do this. I should do that. I should use pronouns. I should get vaccinated. All these things. It's like, that's there, but I'm beyond the pale. Hmm. I'm, I'm a savage Celt, Irish, free person who's creating from love in my own way. So that was, that's an affirmation for me, a, not an affirmation in the sense I'm speaking. It was a confirmation for me in the download um, that where I'm living and who I'm being, the world that I'm living in is beyond, beyond the pale right now. It's, 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 um, yeah, it's free. It's liberated. I'm, I'm creating, I'm creating a different, you know, this is concept of parallel societies. I'm creating a parallel society. I, I moved to Maui. Uh, you know, I've got a small farm here, building community, growing food. Um, I've got chickens. I'm raising my boys in nature. Um, the world's doing what it's doing. And it's not like I'm denying that that's happening, but I'm just going to create my own path. I'm going to do things my way um, from love uh, and, and and create as much beauty as I can. That's great, man. I love that. And this episode was good. It was just a uh... I feel like just a, a way with words, just a way to see things differently. You know, to right now, today in this world, we're all seeing things through the lens that social media or, um, you know, the media wants us to see them. And it's not always the way. You know, I had this conversation the other day with many people. You know, you have these side talks. And I don't truly believe that the world that we see is the way that it actually is. I believe it's a small, loud person or persons or a group of people or mm. minority of and not minority by the term of black or, or Spanish or whatever, just a small um, instance of loud people 
making a mm-hmm. ruckus and getting attention. And mm-hmm. the masses, the the majority, the silent majority, as they're called, just are walking along and just it's just not really either engaging or they're too scared to stand out. So if you're hearing, maybe you should be more bold. Maybe you should mm. think to say something when you see something. Uh, and right's not wrong. Uh, mm. I would say that at this point in time, I think we need a little bit more thought, um, vision, and thinking about what the future can become. And and it takes your own intro version, if you will, or, or some kind of like knowing who you are in order to stand up for something. They always say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything, right? And I truly believe mm. that more than anything today. And so, you know, I just want to say thanks, John Patrick Morgan, to uh, come on this podcast and just share his thoughts. And, you know, I'm sure that we'll, we'll keep our communicating with each other on social and maybe do another episode if people have any questions. And we'll see where this goes. But, um, John, cool. where can they follow you? Where can they, uh, you know, engage with you, hire you if they want to yeah. have you do anything, etc.? Cool, man. My, I shared my company website, my training company is wearecreating.com. I have my own personal website, johnpatrickmorgan.com. And my personal handle on all platforms, social media is jpmorganjr. So Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, that's me. jpmorgan.jr. Yeah, and I have that. And I'll share all that in the show notes, y'all. So if you're listening, just uh, engage. Tell us what you thought about this episode. Uh, maybe certain things that we could shoot him his way and We'll go from there. But I just appreciate you, buddy. Uh, You got a lot of cool things going on. And sounds like you're helping the world to be a better place or at least think better and, you know, uh, rise up and and do what they can with what they got. You know, you you guys always have to feed where you're planted. A lot of people, you know, look too far. And I'm one of those people that forecast the future. But, um, you know, we Mm got to grow where we are. Thank you, Craig. I really enjoyed the conversation. Right on.